Embedded Insiders, Brandon and Rich interview Michael Grant, Vice President of Services at Anaconda, an open source data science company that manages the Anaconda distribution of Python and R programming languages. Michael explains some of the obstacles organizations looking to enter the AI space need to watch out for before they get started, from licensing issues to security vulnerabilities to technical strategies. He then discusses how his company's recent collaboration with the IBM Watson team can help such organizations integrate, organize, and manage their AI solution stacks from model development to endpoint inferencing using a package-centric architecture. Later, John LaBrosse is back with more Things That Annoy a Veteran Software Engineer as he rants about the use of lengthy macros in the C language. Welcome to another edition of the Embedded Insiders. I'm Brandon Lewis, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded Computing Design. I'm here with Rich Nass, who is the Darth Vader of Embedded. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. You know, on, on the last episode, we had this whole discussion about Star Wars, which makes me think of some other sh uh, show, TV show, that I think people who like Star Wars actually like, which is the Big Bang Theory, which had Mark Hamill as a guest on. Um, so there is a relationship there, and I'm not sure where I'm going with this, except that I had uh, a meeting with Amy Farrah Fowler, um, who was fantastic in person, um, way different than her character. Definitely as smart as her character, but uh, a fantastic personality and a lot of fun to be around. Where am gonna... I going with this? I have no idea. I, I was waiting for you to say that you were going to be on an episode of the Big Bang Theory or something. Uh, I would have loved to. You know, they, uh, I, I was a big fan of that show. Elon Musk was a guest. Mark Hamill. Um, they had some really good people on that show. You know, well, while we're name dropping, you met Michio Kaku, didn't you? I did. I actually have a picture of me and him, him and I, uh, hanging on my wall here. Um, he also was a very, very interesting dude. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about something that's also about really smart people. Um, artificial intelligence, or as it lends itself into our discussions, usually machine learning. Uh, you wanted to talk about why it's so hard. And I don't know if there's a lot to talk about there. It's so hard because it's so complex and you're talking about huge amounts of data and huge amounts of compute power. And when you put, put those things together, you got a pretty complex problem. You know, AI isn't new. I mean, it's, it's picking up a lot of attention in the media over the last couple of years, but it's nothing new. It's been in the R&D and academia realm for a long time. And just now that we've gotten, you know, we've got all these IoT sensors everywhere. We've got a, enough computing power that we can push to the edge to make it at least possible to execute some of these AI algorithms. We're just not able to do it at the scale that it seems is necessary to make this thing really take off and hit critical mass. And one of the problems that I've identified in doing some research is that we've got these data scientists who've been working in a lab, and then we've got these enterprises, organizations, and even embedded development firms. And when you try to move all of this AI expertise from the lab, from that research and development realm into the, the enterprise organization, there's a, there are a bunch of disconnects. And uh, you know, I understand the fact that sitting in a data center and you know, just running AI on big data is one thing and 
running AI for a specific type of use case, like, I don't know, predictive maintenance or something like that is a complete other ball of wax. But it just seems like there's so many smart people that there shouldn't be such a, a hurdle integrating this AI stuff into your existing processes and systems. I mean, a lot of this AI stuff is open source and a lot of the infrastructure that organizations run their day-to-day business on is open source. And it just seems like such a pain right now. So many companies are starting up these AI projects and then failing really rapidly, starting them up again and failing again because they just can't seem to get it integrated into their systems. Well, fortunately, we have people like Sheldon out there who don't just throw their arms up in the air and say it can't be done. They just keep working until they find a solution. The insiders are now joined by Michael Grant, Vice President of Services at Anaconda, a data science company that recently partnered with IBM Watson to simplify the adoption of open source AI tech. Everybody's very go get them around AI and and ML. Of course, there have been a ton of problems integrating those technologies into the enterprise, which is actually a little surprising because a lot of AI and ML at this point is open source and a lot of enterprises uh, for a long time have been reliant upon open source software, whether that's for their IT systems or, or what have you. So mm-hmm. what are you seeing? You know, what's, what's, what's going on? Why is there a challenge with people just getting these stacks into their systems? Well, you know, I think that's a good question. And, and when I thought about this, I, I can divide it into sort of three different categories. One of them is um, license compliance. It turns out that each organization has different levels of interest in enforcing license policies. So uh, there are certain licenses that they would prefer not to use um, in the, you know, among the open source packages out there. And so they need to make sure that among the wide variety of packages in the Python ecosystem, they can filter out those that have these non-compliant licenses. So that's one of them is certainly sort of legal compliance, if you will. Then a second category of issues are security vulnerabilities. Um, That's a moving target. And and that's true whether you're using the open source in the Anaconda ecosystem or in any other. Um, And so our customers are always concerned about um, learning about and remediating any security vulnerabilities that are discovered in the software that that they use, whether we supply it or not. Um, and so actively managing against that, that security vulnerability landscape is something that I, our customers are really uh, focused on. And then there's the technical. There's just the fact that the, there, there are so many packages in the ecosystem. And as, as you know, with any, you know with, with any open source ecosystem, there's a variety of quality controls from you know, really well-regarded, mature, stable pieces of software to some of the newer fly-by-night operations that maybe they, they offer great functionality, but they were coded up in passion and not necessarily with the same level of professionalism. And so as a result, there's a fair amount of, you know, uh, just simply technical support that our customers need around effective use of the open source ecosystem. And they actually look to us for recommendations about what the best packages are, what the most stable packages are, what the most popular packages are. And that's one of the reasons we created the Anaconda distribution was to really give people that core set of well-respected packages to start with. Where we have really made our niche is specifically around data science, analytics, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. Um, And so 
interestingly enough, Python is a widely used language, but each of these pockets of usage, whether it's web development or embedded systems or AI ML, they don't seem to inter intersect as much as you might think. But we have been popular in this space for a long time. We're best known for the Anaconda distribution, which is a freely available Python distribution with about 200 packages for uh, data science, AI, and ML built in. Um, and we have about 18 million users out there. This would include students at universities. This includes uh, private organizations and consulting firms in, in a variety of different contexts. And what, what joins them all together is the need to use Python to do uh, data analysis, numerical computing, or other you know, uh, mathematically oriented uses of Python. So we, you know, we're pretty, pretty big in this particular space. What does somebody get with the Anaconda open source distribution to help with AI? When you start at the core, obviously you have Python. And actually we support the R language as well. Uh, then there's a, another layer of numerically oriented libraries like NumPy and SciPy that give you that foundation of numerical computing. And on top of that, um, we have some data analysis packages the most popular of which is called Pandas, which is a near ubiquitous package in the data analysis community for reading and writing and manipulating tabular data. Um, and then you've got the higher level machine learning and AI packages. The most popular ones or most well-known packages right now are Scikit-Learn, for instance, mm -hmm. um, TensorFlow out of the Google organization. Uh, PyTorch is a, another one along the same lines as TensorFlow providing the artificial neural network based learning. And then more specialized packages like Detectron out of Facebook for object recognition and Spacey for natural language processing. So really for a variety of different AI ML workflows, there's likely going to be a tool in the ecosystem. I'm assuming that there's something in there, uh, you know, for, for everybody, even if the organization in question doesn't have, you know, said data scientist on hand, you know, said mm -hmm. The said, said individual who's been working with AI models and algorithms for some time, because that seems to be one of the big hangups, at least to me, with the proliferation of AI tech. There are a lot of companies, especially in older industries like manufacturing or retail and so forth, that, that intuitively know that they would benefit heavily from adopting effective AI machine learning approaches, but they don't necessarily have the personnel who are trained in that. And so then the question is, do they go out and they hire somebody fresh out of AI ML bootcamp or a data science degree program at a university? Now they have the mathematical expertise, but they, do they have the domain expertise? Do they have the intuition needed to take the math and apply it effectively to the industry? Again, whether it's manufacturing, retail, or something else. Or you could go the other way. You could say, should I take somebody who is a seasoned expert in the industry and train them on the effective use of AI ML? And honestly, I think both models have merit, but I don't really see um, I don't really see a way around doing at least a little bit of formal training. The, the fact of the matter is that these packages aren't magic. They're only going to be as good as the data you put into them and the effort you put into building effective models. And so you need to combine not just the open source software with, with the right measure of training and experience in the area. There are a lot of methods to do what you're suggesting. Mm -hmm. Is it really the open source nature of, of Python that sets this apart? Well, I think, you know, I think one of the things you just can't beat with open source is 
the network effect and the, the, the sheer volume of innovation and development that goes on in this community compared to sort of the more proprietary wall gardens for analytics that are out there. Um, I won't obviously name brands here, but I mean, as at there, there are tool sets that are pretty common, especially in academia that get brought into industry that again, they don't have the literally millions of people around the world who are eager to contribute and implement their, you know, their, their favorite algorithms or correct their pet peeves. <laughs> and, and so it really is, I mean, there's, I don't think there's a substitute for that, for that organic and um, the tremendous number of people who, who want to contribute in their spare time and even sometimes at the expense of their companies, at the willing expense of their companies. So I think that's honestly the number one thing that differentiates open source development from, um, you know, from these more uh, kind of proprietary commercial wall garden analytics um, packages. So what does it look like when, uh, you know, a customer A comes to Anaconda and says, we want to start building an AI something. Um, mm -hmm. That's, and that's as far as they've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a really good question. So, you know, we, it, we, we tend to focus on the software itself and supplying that software and helping them manage their open source assets. So for example, in our partnership with IBM, we've delivered to them um, Anaconda Team Edition, which is a repository that allows our customers to, to, to mirror and make a copy of all of the packages that they would like to use within their organization. They can filter them out with an approval list. For example, if they're very concerned about security and licensing, they can individually approve the packages that they're willing to allow into their, into their company, or they can have sort of a blanket approval process for packages with certain license types and low security vulnerability scores and so forth. So we give them that ability. So what does it look like in, with your, the IBM Watson integration you just mentioned? So how do the two interplay? And then what's the advantage uh, of using them in conjunction? Uh, you know, it might you know, be surprised you to know just how much IBM Watson was already using Anaconda software under the hood before we even entertain this partnership that we have with them now. Yet they use our packages because of the, the value we put into curating them and making sure that they interoperate well together to, make, to making sure that, for example, if you install TensorFlow, you automatically get all of the packages underneath the hood like NumPy and the right version of Python and so forth that are needed to make it work properly. So, you know, we come in and help that ecosystem work really well. And IBM has taken advantage of that and used it to build out this great AI platform using those individual packages as building blocks. So, so it, it wasn't too surprising that there would be interest in, in some sort of partnership. And so what we bring in with Anaconda Team Edition, again, is that governance model, which says, okay, so we know we need to use these AI ML packages we need to make sure that they work well together, but we need to go further than that. And we need to respect our company, our enterprise's security policies and license management policies. And Team Edition is helping us do that. And so combine the two together and you have an approved, filtered, curated set of packages that are approved by your organization being fed into Watson to build out your machine learning models and your AI models. When I first think about somebody with a portfolio like yours, I think, oh, you know, maybe this, you know, maybe Anaconda is just really focused on on training and and you know more more that data center type, you know, mm -hmm. 
labeling and classification? What about when we're talking about you know, the actual end algorithm that's running on some, I don't know, figure, some camera endpoint or something? Is that, right. uh, are those sorts of use cases that the Anaconda offering supports? Underneath the hood, we, use, we have something called the Conda Package Manager. Uh, and its purpose is to allow you to create execution environments that have all the packages you need to successfully run the code or the models of the applications that you've built. And Conda runs on a variety of different platforms, whether it is, um, you know, obviously Windows, Mac, and Linux, we'd say the, the big three to start with, but it doesn't really stop there. I mean, we, the, the con, you know, you can, you can install Conda packages on on ARM processors and you know, Conda packages on mainframes. And so the idea would be, I think, uh, and so we already support the idea of moving models from uh, training to production using that, using Conda's ability to recreate your compute environment on different machines. Now it's really easy if I'm using Linux, uh, like an Intel-based Linux on my desktop and an Intel-based you know, production container um, you know, for, you know, because then that translation process is relatively simple, but you'd be surprised how, how um, relatively straightforward it is to port a model that say you developed on your Windows laptop and trained on your Windows laptop and then built an execution environment on say an ARM processor for the inference. Um, it's, uh, you know, it takes a little bit more verification, but Conda helps to smooth that process out considerably. John Labrosse now fumes about lengthy C macros in Things That Annoy a Veteran Software Engineer. Something that really irritates me is to see the declaration of very long, lengthy macros. And by lengthy macros, I don't necessarily mean the name of the macro itself, but the actual content. Uh, in fact, uh, macros that contains multiple level of parentheses, variables, uh, statements, uh, all kinds of things, go-tos in them, local labels. I've seen some crazy macros. Uh, other things is uh, the macros actually call other macros and that calls other macros and makes it really, really difficult for a programmer to understand what the macro does and and actually debug it if you have to debug it. Uh, one, one of the other issue with the macro is that it's very difficult to single step into a macro. A lot of compilers, they actually... Uh, execute each of the statements and you don't actually see which code is actually executed. So really annoying from a debugging point of view. If you do intend to have a long uh, piece of code executed uh, by a macro, uh, please consider using an inline function instead. It uh, does the same thing. It substitutes the code uh, in place, but it's substantially uh, easier to debug and, and understand, especially when you need to single step through that code. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Embedded Insiders. For daily industry news, videos, and podcasts, visit our website, embeddedcomputing.com.